Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ian Hates Conversations. My name is Ian, and this is going to be a quick intro because there's a lot to go over. I've got Brad and Brian of Arcane Haven on the show tonight. Their debut self-titled album comes out this Friday, August 3rd. I love this album, so make sure you pick it up. We deep dive into everything Arcane Haven. So let's begin right now with Scarecrow off the new self-titled. Enjoy.
right, everyone, and welcome to Ian Hates Conversations. I am here with Brian and Brad of Arcane Haven. Their brand new self-titled album is coming out August 3rd. How are you guys doing tonight? Uh, Brad, Brad's pretty good. Uh, Brian is pretty good as well. Ah, can we do this whole conversation where you guys answer for each other? Well, <laughs> funnily, so, so funnily enough, we both just answered in in third person. Ah, so we answered for ourselves, but <laughs> damn, it, it seemed easier just for the sake of not making it confusing. <laughs> no, that was good. Yeah, but we still did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know that is an issue that you always have when you're doing these phone interviews is if you haven't met the people, you know, in real life, you don't really know who's actually speaking to you. Right. <laughs> but I'm guessing you guys have to do that a lot. I mean, you're meeting people all the time. It's got to be tough to, you know, keep track of all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, let's get right down to it. So I was lucky enough, Brian, you sent me over the new album. Hopefully, We'll have this done and put out so that this comes out before the self-titled. But just in case it doesn't, it's coming out once again August 3rd. And hopefully people will have a chance to listen to it right away. I was lucky enough to do that. And I really, really enjoyed the album. Thank you. Absolutely. So let's get into everything. I guess is probably the best way to do it. Let's start off because I think the biggest question that I think you guys probably get on a regular basis, so it'll be a little cliche. But there has been a five-year absence. Well, not necessarily an absence. You guys were touring, you're doing a lot of stuff recording. But between Passages and now with the self-titled, there was that five years in between. Was there a reason for that besides touring? Uh, primarily, um, we had gone through a member change with like our former guitar player mm -hmm. um and we had a, a little bit a little bit of trouble filling those shoes um we had like a, a friend that was filling in with us you know for a bit um and then in addition to that our bass player had not one but two back surgeries and then uh i uh brad mm -hmm. had gone through through some life changes as well um i had moved and 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 a whole bunch of other stuff was going on, so it, it just kind of um, oh, and then Danny also uh, had a child. Oh so wow! We, okay. Yeah, so we just we just kind of all had like a lot of a lot of stuff that that happened all at once, um, and, and just kind of got caught up in in life. You know what I mean? Right. So that was that was the primary uh, reason for the delay on that, though. Okay. Now, how is Mike doing right now? Oh, Mike's fine now. Yeah, he this was a this was a couple years ago he had his back surgeries, but he's he's great now. Okay, very nice. And now, Brian, you are the new guitarist for the band, correct? Yep, that's correct. Okay. So this had to be a lot different for you because this was I'm assuming your first time writing with Brad and everyone else in the band. Yeah, yeah, it was actually my first time being in like actually being in a band. Like I had um, you know, taught myself recording. I had <coughs> filled in for uh, friends' bands um, for certain gigs that they'd had and things like that. But this was my first time actually being an official <coughs> member of a band and like ever doing something in an official capacity with anybody. Like, obviously, I had tried to write music with 
uh, friends of mine who were also into music before, but this was the first time like having a distinct creative partnership with an actual goal of uh, writing a record in mind. Wow. So that is very impressive. And we'll obviously get into the album a little bit more. I want to hear about all that writing process, but I definitely have to ask Brad. So even though it might be a little bit weird with Brian there, what was the vetting process like to make sure that Brian was a right fit for Arcane Haven? Um, basically, he was the most insane person that we met. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. That was able to also play the music. Ah, okay. Um, the, 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 best, the best way that I can illustrate this for you is that uh, we are a very... Uh, specific group of individuals i would say and uh it takes a very specific individual to fit in <laughs> okay all right uh when, when it comes to like 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 working with us on like a close level i guess you could say uh just because like we're all like i think one of the biggest issues is we all watch too much cartoons <laughs> too much and, okay you know namely things like family guy and south park and we're just we're just all on, on a different level of with like our senses of humor and everything like that. So sure. it's like, you know, finding somebody that was, that was physically capable of playing the music and mentally able to uh, hang with us was kind of the balance that we had to find. So then Brian yourself going into the situation, how did you feel about it? Uh, so interestingly enough, I got to be in the band because, uh, Literally a few weeks before Brad and I started working together, I got a job at the guitar center that he was working at at the time. And he and I just hit it off pretty much right off the bat, both being really obsessed with uh, guitars. We, like we had a lot of the same taste in musical equipment and um, we started having conversations about recording and we liked a lot of the same producers and artists. Um, and then as it turned out, um, about a week after I started there, he moved into, I was still living with my family at the time, and he moved into a place that was all of five minutes from me. Oh. So I just went over one day, uh, like the premise was just to check out his studio and maybe to help uh, him and uh, his girlfriend at the time um, set up some stuff in the house and I had checked out the band a little bit and he showed me um, some of the stuff that they were working on. And uh, the first track off that record was actually the first thing he showed me. And literally by the time like the one minute mark hit in that song, like I knew I wanted to be in this band. So. Wow. Very impressive. Yeah. I like that story a lot. Okay. So then you hit it off, you become friends and then, you know, you have this vetting process to place you in the band so then how did it feel being part of this actual writing process then for the new album it was honestly for me very natural which going back and thinking about it is just insane because i had tried to write with uh friends before as i'd said yeah. and it just did not really click with any of them mm -hmm. and um when brad and i started writing i think the very first writing session we ever had was where the uh what ended up being the verse and chorus riffs of anchors away oh. ended up coming out of it, it was it, it was, was either the on. very first or like one of the very first 
was actually where those two riffs came from. It was we had originally tried to put them in another song and then um, things just really took off from there. Like in the first four or five months that we were working together, we had there were seven songs written for the record at the time that I joined the band. Okay, And at least the genesis of four of them were uh, was had been started by like the time I had been in the band for like four or five months at that point. And I think at that point, like Anchors Away and Indignity already existed as they were, like without lyrics. But yeah. I feel like the music was done by that point. Right. So Brad, with that writing process that you had already started, were you in charge of doing that or had you know the rest of the band already written their parts and then you were working on, you know, finishing things up? I do like the majority of like the writing and production on the album. Um, Brian, like Brian had written like most of like one of the songs and like contributed heavily to like a, a few others, mm-hmm. but like more than, more than half the album like was, was pretty much, pretty much done by that point. Um, but in terms of like the writing process, like I, I kind of like, I don't know. I guess you could see that like, I, I, I kind of oversee a lot of that. Um, like I, I write like a, a, a majority of the music and almost all of the lyrics. Okay. All right. So how do you guys then kind of piece that out? Because, and now I have not had a chance to see you live besides, you know, music videos. Like you have your brand new music video out. It's for Hollow Bodies where it's, you know, live footage. So I kind of know the dynamics of what the band does, but Danny does all the screaming vocals, or do you also do some of that with cleans? Um, Danny does all of the screaming, and I do all of the singing. Okay. But I I have been like trying to like trying to get him to like kind of push himself with like the singing, and he's been doing like a really awesome job at that. Um, so on the new album, you can actually hear there are a couple parts where Danny is singing too. Oh, okay. All right. I had to get used to that a little bit. So how did you guys decide on what parts he would sing? Was it something to do with what you guys would want to pull off live? Or was it just because he felt he wanted to do those parts? Um, I would say more so than anything, it's it's pulling it off live. Okay. Between you and Brian and when you guys are working through things for a live performance, how much does that actually affect your songwriting? Like working out who's doing vocals where? Yeah. Um, I would say that a good portion of what we write kind of revolves around that because when I write like a chorus, I'm typically writing it with what is going to be best for me to be able to sing over as well. Okay. So like if, if I have like an idea for like a more complex, like lead guitar part, or if Brian has an idea for a more complex lead guitar part, then like in those situations, nine times out of 10, Brian's going to be the one playing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one exception being hollow bodies. Right. Um, I do play the lead in the course for that one when we play it live. Um, but like other times it, it depends. It really just depends because I like, I have to, I have to kind of feel it out with like what, what, it, what sort of cadence is going to fit well with what I'm also trying to do with my hands. You know what I mean? Right. So it's just about finding a balance. And like, there have definitely been times where I've had to change something about what the guitar part is doing solely based on 
what the vocals are doing. And there's other times where I've had to change vocal melodies or, or vocal placements. So it, it really just depends. It's, it, it's kind of, we, we, we just carry it on like a case by case basis with each song. Oh, sure. Okay. So then Brian, when you're putting everything together then with Brad, because you're both working off of each other, especially both being guitarists, is there any time that you would fill in for any clean vocals or do you have any, or do you not want to do any vocals whatsoever? Uh, you know, in the future, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but you know, as, as things are now, it's definitely easier just to have Danny and Brad do it. Plus, as Brad mentioned, you know, what we have a lot of lead guitars in our choruses typically, right. uh, there, I think, you know, it's kind one could say it's a signature element of our sound. And in order to be able to play and sing those parts live, it would definitely be difficult to pull off. And uh, I think it's just, at least for now, uh, easier just to have Danny and Brad do the vocals. And they're both also, I can I can sing to a degree like I can hit pitches, but mm-hmm. Danny and Brad are both far more talented vocalists than I am right now or probably ever will be. <laughs> gotcha. So, Brad, when you're working with Danny, how do you guys go back and forth with who's going to be screaming, who's going to be doing clean vocals? When I write the lyrics, I usually kind of um, figure that out as I'm writing as I'm writing the lyrics. Okay. So a, a lot of times, just so that when I send the lyrics to him, so that he knows what parts are his, I'll usually put those lyrics in all capitals. Oh, okay. And then, like, whenever I'm figuring out like what the vocal placement is going to be, a lot of times I'll I'll do like a guide track for him to listen to. Um, just for like what my idea is. And like, sometimes he'll come back to the table with like some changes that he wants to make. Mm-hmm. And like, sometimes we'll roll with them. Sometimes we won't roll with them. Um, but generally that's, that's kind of how I do it. it. It just keeps things as like concise as possible because there can be a lot of back and forth happening if I don't do it that way. Right. Like sometimes like it just ends up taking more time than it needs to. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So with you guys having to basically... I'm guessing right now, or I might as well just ask. So, Brian and Brad, do you guys do most of all the writing? Uh, I mean, I so for Brad wrote the vast majority of the music before I joined the band. Mm-hmm. Like, I would say over 90% of it easily. Um, when I joined, uh, Brad, every song that Brad and I wrote, like every song that I was involved in the writing, with once I joined the band was still very much a collaborative effort. Mm-hmm. Um, so and like, it's hard for me to evaluate, like in, if like I were to try to do percentages or something like what I wrote, but like I, uh, you know, from what, from everything that's happened so far, Brad can definitely come to the table more so with full song ideas and, you know, doesn't really need help to do it. Um, but a lot of what we did together was definitely very collaborative. Um, in terms of lyrics, mostly yes. Um, Arnold wrote the lyrics for the verse in Stalfos. Oh, okay. And there were a couple other songs on the record that we did sit down as a group and kind of all contributed to. But for the most part, I write all of the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of like the musical aspect of things, like the guitar parts and everything, like, yeah, it used to be like 95% of it was me. Um, but I would say, like, since Brian joined, at, at least on this record anyway, I would say that, like, 
probably more like 75-ish. Like if we had to give it a percentage, probably 70, 75. Probably, probably 75. I'll go with that. All right. So it was a help to have Brian come in to fit into the band. And then is it more that you just have the the drive and the ability to want to write most of the lyrics or to do most of the music? Or is it more that that's just the way the band functions correctly? Um, I would say a mixture of both. Okay. Because, uh, like, me and Arnold are the only remaining original members of the band. Right. And, like, when I started the band, I kind of had, like, a very specific vision of what I wanted the band to sound like. And, and like, over the years, that's that's pretty much what we've rolled with. When Brian joined the band, like, you, you, can, you can definitely hear it on some of the songs that sound, like, noticeably different than anything we've done before. Right. Um, you, you can definitely hear a little bit of that influence from Brian on certain songs, like Anchors Away, as an example, um, sure. since, you've, since you've heard them. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I, I, like, I would say, like, it, it, going back to your question, like, I would say it's a combination of both. Like, like I said before, like, I, I've, like, I, I put this, I pieced this band together with my bare hands, and I just, like, it's, it's 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 like a part of me <laughs> in a way so like i i still i still have like a specific vision of the way that i think i like things to be and 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 i do tend to be stubborn about it sure. um just because like you know i've 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 nursed this band you know since since its inception right um and yeah i mean that's the, so yeah yeah no for sure and you've had two releases before you know this new self-titled so let me ask you right then from the beginning when you're talking about having a vision for the band what was your mindset like when you went ahead and you started writing for the new album what did you want the band to be for this i wanted to push things so so my mentality was a lot of bands come out with a debut album a debut full length, I should say, because because we've we've you know obviously it's not our debut release, but it's our first full length. Right. And I feel that a lot of bands tend to come out with a debut album that is very cemented and very specific in the way that things sound. And I've noticed a trend over the years that those bands tend to kind of pigeonhole themselves into that sound. Sure. And the sophomore album is almost always not nearly as good. True. And then I've noticed that a lot of bands kind of fall off after that. Mm-hmm. Not all, of course, right. but like I, I've just I've just noticed that happen to a lot of bands. Right. And maybe it's just because they appeal to a different audience, and maybe I'm just not a part of that audience. But regardless, um, I wanted to write something that because like my logic is that like a lot of people. Our EPs that we released prior and the singles that we released prior are probably not the first thing that a lot of people are going to hear. Oh, sure. Because they're probably going to look at our first full length. Mm -hmm. So I wanted it to be something that would show a wide range of sound and diversity and like just kind of show like the flexibility of the band because I, I wanted us to be able to go in any direction that we could possibly imagine going in on future releases. Right. I didn't want to pigeonhole us into a specific sound that we had to stick with without, you know, causing people to 
you know, not listen to future releases or something like that. Right. Like I, I wanted something that would be that would be enjoyable for musicians and casual music listeners. That is a good way to look at it. And I believe that I heard a lot of that in the debut full length because it does seem like I don't know. I mean, if I had to take a guess, I'd say almost maybe progressive metalcore. If you were going to, you know, like if you had to have a very wide genre. And it's actually really funny that you say that, because when Brian and I have talked about how to, like, specifically attach a genre to our music, mm-hmm. progressive metalcore is pretty much what comes up. Okay. Because we're not we're not metalcore enough to be straight up metalcore. Right. We're not progressive enough to be progressive. <laughs> and like, we're also not aiming to be a musician's band. That oh. like only people who play instruments are going to listen to, like right. you know what I mean. So like Absolutely. that's that's actually that's actually funny to me that you said that. <laughs> no, hey, look, I'm just glad I was on the right track because. Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah. Okay. I mean, like, like we're we're heavily influenced by a lot of progressive stuff. I mean, Periphery is certainly up there for me and Brian, and then for me, like Dream Theater is one of my favorite bands. Oh sure, yeah. Like in, in a lot of like the the lead guitar playing uh solos anyway um there's there's certainly a lot of influence from petrucci from john petrucci from dream theater in there sure no i can definitely hear it no i think that's one of the things that works very well for your band it's just like what you said you are going to get people to listen to your music because you are doing technical instrumentation like you're going to get it because you're getting really good guitar solos on there but then you're also able to pull back the album flows in a way where you've got those really heavy, fast-paced songs. Some of them could even be on the radio. And that's exactly what we wanted. Oh, good. Okay. It's a very good mix of, just like you said, making sure that anyone who's listening is going to go, well, I don't know where they're going to go in the future. And there are different parts that people can pick out that are going to be their favorites. And they're going to like the overall you know, the overall product. And and that was really like at, when I when I joined the band, like when I when Brad was showing me like the songs that were written at the time, that was one of the most exciting things for me was just like I didn't want to be in a band that was stuck doing one thing. Like I wanted to be in a band that gave us the freedom to go wherever we wanted to. Like I I there's no doubt in my mind that like there will always be some heavy element to our music like that's that's all of our background that's i'd say what the music that we love the most but i loved the fact that we were a band that could do an acoustic song and do right. a ballad and also do something that is just downright brutal and make it sound like us i think that's the most important thing because i think there are other bands that have tried to make really diverse records and like it just hasn't sounded true to their identity or it sounded like half-assed or something like that and whereas you know i think that we've really worked hard to make every song convincing and make it like a really good song like we are we're a band that ultimately like we love progressive elements and everything but we're not concerned about showing off we want to write songs that people can connect with and have fun doing it and really can like really connect with a wide variety of people yeah yeah absolutely and i think like i said that definitely comes across one of the things i also really enjoyed about the album is and i know or i don't exactly know 
if it was both of you that did the production for this because it is really well done. Um, yes. So Brian and I pretty much sat down and, and fought with one another about what we wanted to do mix wise. <laughs> um, but I would say like, I probably did a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of the production. Like I, I engineered the recording aspect of, of pretty much everything with the exception of my vocals, which, which Brian kind of hopped in and put on a producer hat for. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, I pretty much engineered everything. Well, Brian actually engineered a lot of the bass too. Um, and then I did pretty much all of like the editing, uh, like especially the drum editing that was what took probably longer than anything else on the record right um just because of like you're you're dealing with like 20 how many tracks of drums did we end up having uh there were 22 mics yeah brad and i if we there we were 20 22. 22 microphones on arnold's kit for the album wow <laughs> yeah. so uh so that you know that was that was a lot that we had to, to keep an eye on and 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 and, and deal with when we were doing like all the editing and stuff. Right. Um, but I would say that like the mixing aspect of the album was probably 50, 50 between me and Brian. Mm -hmm. um, we engineered the guitar tone together. We engineered the bass tone together and the drums, the together. drums together. I mean, we, we basically mixed the album together. Wow. So do you guys have a background in doing this or was this all self-taught? Uh, Self-taught for both of us. Um, wow. I, I personally, uh, Brad, mm -hmm. um, have recorded other bands as well, though. I, I like, I've, I've, ha I have like a studio set up at the house here, and I, I occasionally have bands come in and record with me. Okay. Um, so I've, I've been doing it for a number of years. Brian is a little, I think, you're, you're a little bit more freshly into it, correct? I literally had only mixed my own stuff before joining this band. Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> <laughs> so then. Do you have like an average of what you could say to get one final track, how long that takes from start to finish, at least for what you're doing in your studio? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a hard question to answer oh, because yeah. I've, sat, I've sat down and both written, recorded, and mixed a song in a day. Oh, okay. And I've had other songs that took weeks, months. I mean, it it depends. Yeah. It depends how inspired I am. It depends on how complex the song is. Um, you know, I would say that, like, if I have a solid, this is how the song is going to go from start to finish. Mm -hmm. If I have that in my head and I sit down to write the song, I would say I could probably, I could probably get a song done within a day, maybe two okay. from scratch. Mm -hmm. um, but that is if I am feeling like, really inspired you know what right. i mean for one of our songs anyway. oh right 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 right. i know you don't have probably like the exact numbers or anything but i always thought this would be an interesting question to ask on the new self-titled what song took the longest what song did you feel like wow your just head wasn't right and it took you forever to do it do you have one that that happened for mm, i'd say like a lifetime because I mean that song was musically done for a long time. Yeah, like the lyrics right took more revisions than anything else by far. Yeah, I would say yeah the the, the last track on the record like yeah. a lifetime uh, because that song, um, musically that song had been written and done probably since 2013. Wow. Okay. 
Yeah, like that song, that song had been done musically since about 2013. And I had written lyrics when I was in a very dark place. Sure. And then when I revisited them, you know, years later, when it came time to finish the album, I was like, well, I don't connect with these anymore. So let me tweak them. And then I ended up hating them and scrapped all of them and oh. just rewrote the lyrics from scratch. Wow. So the first evolution of that song lyrically and vocal melody wise, like everything about the vocals on Like a Lifetime was completely different prior to the final version that we put on the album. Like it's a completely different song, like vocally. Yeah. Because um, it is. Go ahead. I was just going to say that song and then probably. I don't know what, maybe Stalfos. Stalfos took a while. We had the lyrics, like Arnold. Arnold had the lyrics, but it was finding the right placement. Ah. Because the the verse is like the three bars of seven four, and then a four four. So yeah, like the 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 timing. Like if there's one song on our record that is probably the most progressive, mm -hmm. it's Stalfos. Sure. Uh, because it has like alternating time signatures a lot. Yep. Um, and, and getting the vocal, like getting the vocal part during the verses to fit right in the pocket where they needed to be was a little bit of a challenge for sure. Uh, um, it took, it took a couple days, I think of us putzing around with, uh, different placements we, yeah, before, we, before we finally landed on the final version. Once, once you had tweaked the lyrics, I think it took us <clears> like five or six long vocal sessions to like to get it right you know based on yeah. getting good takes based on getting the placement just right right um and then there's a few parts towards the end of that song like when you're hitting those higher notes that uh i don't know if i was around for those actually but uh, i think i might have tough to sing i think i might have actually recorded those myself which is always fun because uh. i have to record on the computer and then run into my vocal booth <laughs> <laughs> while, while I'm waiting for it to count in. So so some of the vocals on the record, I'm sure you could, uh, I'm sure that there's, uh, you know, a little bit of, uh, of that, like, I don't know, like I like, like me hitting record and running into my vocal booth, like, <laughs> so. Oh, that's very interesting. It was a process for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would have said exactly the same thing you said about that track. And then also when you mentioned Like a Lifetime, that's more of the like ballad-esque type track on the album i would say and it's also seven minutes long so i can understand that would take a lot more time not only the rewriting of the lyrics but also just making sure that that whole track sounds right correct yes. and and i think both of us have said too that is like the mix that we're proudest of oh, sure. on, uh, on the record too. yeah like just I, this, uh, with all the elements in it as far as the strings and the piano mm -hmm. And clean guitars and distorted guitars, like yeah, that's... We, it really it's it's shocking. It should have been the hardest song to mix, but I think it actually came out the best sounding one out of all the songs. Wow. Yeah, that 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 song was was that and Stalfos. I found well, no Stalfos. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole with the mixing stuff. <laughs> uh, Stalfos had its challenges, but I, I I think the drum sound on that song came together very naturally too. Yeah, no, for sure, and we can definitely leave production aside for a second. What I wanted to also mention is that for a debut full length, it's not like you're a new band. You're actually coming up on like 10 years being together. But this yeah. album, it is front to back, no filler whatsoever. You just have, you know, a little longer intro sometimes, a little longer outro. But it is 12 tracks of 
no filler, straightforward. Was that something consciously that you guys wanted to do? Um, whenever I write songs, um, and you can ask the band about this because I think I have actually vocalized this on multiple occasions. Um, I don't ever want filler tracks. Right. Whenever we write an album, I mean, I, I definitely feel that from my perspective, there are definitely a couple songs on the album that I don't feel are as strong as others. But that being said, I don't ever want to put out a song on an album that couldn't potentially be a single. Like, I want every single song that this band writes to be a song that we could put out at any point and say, hey, this is our new single. Right. Like, I want every song to represent us. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that was a change from because Alignment had like an intro and it had an interlude, right? Correct. Oh, okay. I see what you mean now. I, I was thinking in terms of like filler tracks. Ah, okay. No. Like songs that were like just kind of put there to, to eat up space. You know what I mean? Gotcha. I, oh, okay. I understood what you meant. Yeah, no, we uh we opted to because I don't I don't like the way that it looks on like streaming services. Whenever you have like a 13 track album and like four of them are some sort of like one minute interlude. Right. It, it's more of like a, a, an OCD thing. I think for me, like I would rather tack that on to like the end of the prior song. Right. Right. Which is kind of what we did. So yeah, I, I guess to answer your question from earlier, it was a conscious thing. Okay. All right. Uh, but I honestly like back up both of those points. Like I, I think a song trans, especially, you know, in this a in this day and age where people listen to individual songs more, like having tracks that are purely intros or interludes doesn't really work well anymore. Right. And I think it's also a fun creative challenge to try to put something like that onto a song and make it fit and make it feel justified. Um, but going back to what Brad said too, I do think there are even bands that I really, really like who I still feel like put tracks on their album that just seemed like a track that was there to get the track count where their label or they wanted it to be <laughs> or get the running length up to the time they wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. And I don't like that approach. Like I am, I, I am. And I think the rest of the band is too on the same page as Brad as we don't ever want to put a song out that we wouldn't be 100% comfortable releasing like independently of a record and, you know, be confident that not only are we going to be proud of it, but other people are going to, enjoy it too yeah yeah i'm also the type of person that like i i think that good things come with time so i kind of i kind of apply that mentality toward music too like i would rather take a little bit longer to pump out something that i'm super proud of than throw something together just to get it out exactly yeah and i love that and i think fans also i think when you give that finished product like this self-titled and people are going to love it, they're not going to worry about how much time it took because of how damn good it is. So I completely agree with that. And I'm going to go back to something you said in a second, but it'll kind of change the pace. So I want to ask something real quick because I brought up interludes and intros. The intro on Alignment, was that supposed to sound like the intro to Goosebumps, the TV show? <laughs> Uh, well, Holy shit, it does sound like, well, <laughs> I just realized that now. <laughs> so, so, uh, to be frank with you, mm -hmm. um, 
I have no idea because I have not seen Goosebumps since I was a little kid and I had no idea that it sounded like that. But now that you mention it, it makes sense. Um, so that that intro on alignment, actually, um, my old roommate who played guitar with us for a very brief period of time mm -hmm. uh, actually wrote that intro. Oh, OK. Yeah, he he was he was in the band before Steve, who was our who was our guitar player on alignment. Right. OK. Uh, his name's his name's Bill, though, but he had written that and. uh he wrote the lead during the chorus in Our Escape. Ah, okay. Yeah, so a very small amount of time. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, I just had to, <laughs> had to do that. I haven't seen that show forever. but Well, I now was... I'm going to watch it, and that's all I'm going to be able to think of. <laughs> yep. It's all I could do. I kept on listening. I was like, that's got to be it. That's got to be it. So, all right. Well, good to know at least. But let me go back to some of the points you were making before. When you start talking about filler songs and about, you know, we were doing intros and all that kind of stuff. So because you're an independent band, do you feel way less pressure to have to do anything like that? You know, you can go ahead and spend the time and put out exactly what you want. Yeah, I would say so. But it can be a double-edged sword mm -hmm. because, you know, as with what we were talking about earlier with why it took so long for the record to be done... You know, when life catches up with you, you know, five years goes by really fast. Right. But, you know, especially when you're not in like high school anymore. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you're not you're not counting the days on the calendar, you right. know, like when you're a kid. Mm -hmm. Like it, it just it 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 feels like we just released passages last year. Oh, like, wow. in, you know what I mean? Right. Like it doesn't feel like it's been five years. Gotcha. OK, now. Would you be interested in or are you going to be shopping this around to labels or is this something that you're like, we can do this, do it yourself? Um, it's a tough question to answer. You know, if a label approached us and they said, hey, you know, we, we love what you guys are doing and we would like to back this and we would like to put you out on the road with such and such bands, you know, this many days out of the year, then you know, that would be awesome. I mean, that's, that's the dream. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, for me anyway, personally, uh, I, I just, I just really like writing music and you know, this is how, this is how I express a lot of my, my own stuff. I mean, if you, if, like, if you read the lyrics on the full length, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of heart put into those lyrics. Oh, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of like personal experience and, 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 that, and that kind of stuff. And that's just, you know, if I didn't have music to express that, I would, I would just end up bottling it up. Right. So for me, I'm more just concerned about, you know, putting out music that I think sounds cool, that hopefully other people think sounds cool. And, you know, if people connect with it lyrically and it helps get them through a tough time, then that's even better. You right. know, that's the perk. Um, but in terms of being on a label and making money off of it, like that would be great. That would be, you know, that would, like I said before, that would be the dream, mm -hmm. but you know, it's not something that I would say that at this point I'm going out of my way to pursue like a label or anything like that. Okay. I mean, we emailed a few people and we emailed like a couple different management, like agencies, um, and, and, you know, 
we got a couple replies, but like the, the one reply that we got, the guy was like, honestly, just stay as in- independent as long as you can. Uh. And someone, someone will eventually come your way. And that was kind of like what he said. And then we were like, all right, well then let's just put this thing out. Um, and incidentally, that was Blasco, uh, the basis for Ozzy Osbourne for oh, many, yeah. many years. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, who, who said that? Um, but to, like to echo what Brad said, you know, we we do this because we love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and being on a label, being able to do this full time would absolutely be the dream for all of us. But uh, I think a concern that Brad didn't actually address. Oh, yeah, was, yeah, I know uh, exactly what you're was, saying. Uh, creative control. Relinquishing creative control <laughs> right. to the defense of the label executives, which mm-hmm. uh not to sound stubborn, but that is something that we would basically be absolutely unwilling to do. Yeah, I don't I don't think that like especially me, but also Brian, uh, I don't think that either of us would be willing to have a label tell us what types of songs we need to write or what sort of appeal we need to be going for with the music. Like I think that in terms of like like what I was talking about earlier with like we wanted the album to convey you know, a message that appealed to like a broader group of people and and contain music that appeals to a broader group of people. Like, I think that we're intelligent enough to figure that out on our own. Right, right. (laughs) I think that we are self-sufficient enough to be able to write an album that will meet that requirement on our own without having a label tell us that we need to do it. You know what I mean? Right. Yes. Uh, Granted, you know, in in today's music industry, you know, I, I don't even know for sure, you know, what the label's role is when it comes to the creative process. I feel like I feel like more and more bands now are coming out that are pretty much just having full creative control. Yeah, I would say so for sure. Let me ask you about this part of it then. What about for touring angles? Because you mentioned and and I mentioned while we've been talking about kind of the way this album is going to connect to people and you're going to have hopefully a very wide range of people that are going to enjoy it. Do you guys have a certain way that you would want to tour? Because one of the big things right now is like different genres tour on the same bill instead of just having like all metalcore bands or all whatever. Is that something that you guys are still good with? So, yes, I would love to tour. Mm hmm. The, the catch, though, is that, you know, all of us have pretty good jobs at this point. Ah. So, like, and, and then Danny has, like, a kid. And since me and Brian, me and Brian actually live together. So, you know, anything that we do touring-wise affects both of us when it comes to, like, rent and everything like that. Right. So when it, when it comes to touring, I would love to do that. I have money set aside in case that time comes. Mm-hmm. But if it were to be a full-time thing, I think that all of us would need the security of being able to make relatively, you know, a, a similar amount of money to what we make at our normal jobs at this point. Right. So, like, if if we were going to do it, it would need to be, like, a full-time gig that we're making a living off of. Right. Yeah, that makes total sense. And that's where I wasn't sure if a label would be able to help with something like that. Maybe if they put that money out, but it depends. It all depends on all that kind of stuff, you know, whatever contract 
it is and whatnot. So that's interesting because you guys do have the album release party or the album release show on August 11th, and that's in Pennsylvania as well. Are you guys just planning on doing more local shows in the Pennsylvania area? Uh, I think the goal is to get back out. Um, uh, I mean, uh, definitely the goal is to get back out on the road at some point and okay. tour for it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just at the position now where uh, previously when we've done a lot of tours uh, because of the material we had out at the time, we got put on a bill and we're normally always like the light, like the lightest band on the bill. <laughs> no, obviously, like we're still a heavier band. But right. part of the hope for this album was that we could get put on tours with uh you know probably still heavy acts but acts that uh you know translate a little bit more towards the mainstream i would say like the vast majority of bands we've toured with have been like heavier metalcore or you know going into deathcore territory and everything and yeah uh, and that's we we love like we love a lot of the bands that we've toured with and everything but we would really like to tour with a more diverse group of bands than we have Uh the, the the issue for us this the issue that we run into when it comes to playing out of state shows let me restart this sentence yeah because i also want to address that like we certainly would like to tour mm-hmm. like like doing like a week tour here and there is definitely something we want to do right um, it's more so just like if we were to get onto a label or something like that where we were touring full time right like that that's kind of where I was saying that like we would need to be making a similar amount of money to what we're making now. Oh, absolutely. Going back though. So like one one thing that we've kind of struggled with over the years is just that like the style of music that we choose to play it doesn't really fit in with death metal and it doesn't really fit in with rock bands. Right. And can fit in with metalcore bands but i feel like a lot of metalcore bands are not playing the type of metalcore that we play like i would say that like i would say like that like that our sound like if you're looking at it from like a like a musical historical standpoint is a little bit dated i mean Hmm. a lot of the metalcore influence that we kind of put into our sound is like early 2000s ah sure and and you know I don't I don't want to not play that because that's what I like to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, you know, when we're playing a, a show with death metal bands or bands that are doing a lot of breakdowns, like we don't really have that kind of stuff. Like we we write more more melodic, I would say. Yes. But, sure. we're, but we're still too heavy to fit in on bills with bands that are writing music as melodic as us. So it's 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 weird. It's right. a weird balance to find the right sort of bill to, to truly fit in on. You know what I mean? Right. So I guess in both of your opinions, what band do you think or bands do you think you would fit in well? Because, I mean, if you look at the new self-titled, you've got Miscommunication and that features JT from Era. In my opinion, I think touring with a band like Era would be a good place for you guys. What do you guys think? I think we would fit in with them. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that we would fit in on a tour with a band like Era, uh, Periphery. Sure. I mean, oh, Kill Switch Engage, mm-hmm. you know, would be right up our alley. Um, uh, I would say like the other one that kind of came to mind because we actually we actually played with them back in 2014. 
uh, we had we had actually opened for a day to remember. Oh yeah, that's right. And that was that that show. We only played with one other band. Uh, it was it was a day to remember, and then a band called Red Hands. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and that that show was probably the most that I think that we have ever fit in on a bill. Oh wow, okay. So like so so like the the that's kind of like the funny thing though is that like. I don't know. It would just like, like, I think bands like that, we would fit in really great with, you know what sure. I mean? But like a lot of the stuff, like, cause, cause we, we just, we, we fall somewhere in the middle of like that crossover point of genres. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we, we kind of have to, in order to fit in, we would have to be like playing with other bands that are, that fall into that crossover point, you know? Right. right. And that is a little bit tougher. Progressive metalcore bands, I mean, there are some really great ones. I just had one on the show, Lost in Separation. You guys, I think, would fit in well with them. But it is a hard like genre to really go with sometimes. But like you said, A Day to Remember, I mean, they range from pop punk to easy core to metal core, post-hardcore, all that kind of stuff. But you fit in with them. And I think maybe that's where the key is, is it has to be a band that is able to mix a lot of genres together because that's what you guys do. Right. I completely agree with that. Actually, one band, there's actually two bands that Brad didn't mention that I think we would also really fit in well with. Bring Me to the Horizon, sure. who was definitely a bigger influence on this record than previous releases, and also Architects, actually. Ah. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about Architects. No, no, I could definitely see that as well. No, for sure. All right, let's change direction a little bit. We've talked a lot about the new album. I want to know a little bit about your guys' backstory. So, Brian, let's start with you. When did you start playing guitar? I started when I was 10. Nice. Only like a month or two after turning 10, and I turned 26 in a week and a half at the time of recording this. Oh, wow. So, okay. nearly 16 years. Uh, do not feel it. I'm as good as I should be for having <laughs> played for 16 years. Um, but, yeah, I my dad played like my dad has been playing guitar since i think he was in college and uh music is a huge huge part of my family like my dad plays guitar my mom was in high school band her mom uh played guitar uh both of my brothers are musical my uh my one brother plays guitar my youngest brother plays drums so i was just in a very music like there's always music playing my dad was playing guitar like in the evenings almost all the time um so i i knew that i wanted to actually be a guitar player and be a musician from a a very 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 young age like it's probably the earliest career aspiration i can ever remember having Mm -hmm. um i didn't get into metal actually until i was like around 14 um later than most people do i feel like but i got into it because the guitar playing just blew me away and i was like i want to do that and i realized uh just how challenging it was and it wasn't going to come as easy to me as a lot of the other stuff i'd learned so that was when i got really obsessive about it and initially i only really connected with the music but as i listened to it more and more i got more into the lyrics i got into heavier bands Mm -hmm. um and then when it came time to go to college, that would have been really what I would have liked to have studied, but there were two problems with that. Um, The first being that pretty much everyone I knew who went to college for music uh, was in debt Uh and doing multiple 
multiple things to make and to just make ends meet. Right. And when you're an 18 year old who's grown up in a stable family background, that's a scary prospect um, for sure. Sure. And it was also just being so much into rock and metal and like seeing the kinds of programs that colleges had at the time because I wasn't into audio engineering yet. Uh, um, okay. I didn't want I didn't want to study jazz and classical guitar all the time. I didn't want to be told what I had to play or mm-hmm. learn stuff that I didn't think was uh, going to contribute to my musical development in the way that I saw fit. So right. um, I went to Ohio State. I just got an English degree there, but I did get like a music business minor while I was there. Oh, nice. And then uh, my senior year, I kind of realized that you know, music is my biggest passion. And that, like, if I ever truly made a career out of anything else, I wouldn't be happy. Ah. So I uh, I interned with a concert promoter, like, the summer after I graduated, came back. Um, I attempted to get a job with Sweetwater, who's one of Guitar Center's big competitors, like, yep. made it through months of interviewing, only to not get the job. And then uh. ended up with Guitar Center, met Brad, and the rest is history. Wow. Damn, that's impressive. All right. Well, Brad, what about yourself? And also, if you can, add in the vocals as well. Which came first, vocals or guitar for you? Um, ah, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, Same time? I mean, I definitely hummed as a kid a lot mm-hmm. and like sang from a very young age. Oh, okay. But I don't know that I would have ever considered myself a vocalist until after I had been playing guitar. Ah, okay. So we'll we'll go with guitar first. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. When did I start playing guitar? Eighth grade. When? How old was I in eighth grade? How old am I now? <laughs> am I twenty seven? Yeah, you're you're twenty seven. I am twenty seven. Okay. <laughs> so so I've been playing guitar since. How old are you usually in eighth grade? Fourteen. Yeah. All right. So we'll we'll say I was fourteen. All right. Uh, so I've been playing guitar for. 13 years. Wow. Okay. Um, 12 or 13 years, something like that. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I always wanted to be a drummer when I was a kid. Um, oh. I, I kind of settled for guitar because my parents felt the drums would be too loud. Right. And expensive. Uh, yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> so I, I kind of settled for guitar. And um, I mean, I, I certainly have no regrets with that. I still want to get a drum set at some point. I will do that. Um, but anyway, I'm getting a little sidetracked here. So I no started problem. playing guitar whenever I was a teenager. Um, I took lessons for, I don't know, maybe a year, year and a half. And then I ended up joining a band with a bunch of dudes that were like way older than me. Mm-hmm. So I was at the time, I probably took lessons for about two years. Cause I think at the time I was 16 when I played in this band. Okay. Um, and these dudes were like ranging from, I think, like 23 up to like 26, 27, something like that. Sure. Um, and they were doing like bar shows and stuff like that. So I was just like this young kid coming in to play the bar show and then sometimes had to leave immediately after the set. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Had to have like my parent with me there. Um, but the day that they practiced was the day that I used to take guitar lessons. So I had to stop taking the lessons oh. and, just, and just never went back. Okay. Um, so did that for a little bit 
and then I played in a band and like our that was after my first band. I started my first band in like probably probably 2006, I think, um, which lasted for a couple years. And then I played in the band with the older guys. And then let's see, played keyboards in a band for a minute, had no idea how to play keyboards. So I just figured it out as I went. Wow. And then after that, I started this band. That was in 2009. Damn. Yeah, beginning of 2009. And uh, we, we actually had a drummer before Arnold, um, but we only really practiced with him a couple times. Okay. So I just consider Arnold an original member because he, yep. he was like, he, he played our first show. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, I mean, I guess technically everybody else is is different because like when it first started, it was me and this guy, Connor. Um. And then we got Arnold, and then we had like a different bass player and vocalist at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you want me to get like in depth with like band history, or did you? Oh, I'd love it. No, I'm completely fine with hearing all that. Okay. Yeah. So like, when we, when it started, we had this guy uh, Dan playing drums, and then Connor on guitar. Uh, Mike was playing not not current Mike. This yeah. is a different Mike. Okay. Um, was playing bass, and then his brother uh, Mark was playing was vocals. Okay. Um, and then Mark ended up getting like a job or something, or not, or he ended up going to school or something like that, and was like never available to practice. Mm-hmm. So he ended up leaving, and then we got Dan on vocals. Right. Um, by this point, by the way, Arnold was already in the band because we like we had only practiced with that other drummer a couple times. Right. Um. And then Mike ended up leaving shortly after. And then we had this guy Stretch playing bass for us. Great name. Um, well, it was I. It was his nickname. His real name is Corey. <laughs> <laughs> but he played bass for us for several years. Okay. And then at one point, like, Connor left. And then we had Steve on guitar. And then Stretch left. And we got Mike on bass. Current Mike. Yep. And... Steve left and then we didn't have a guitar player for the better part of I want to say two years wow like we had we had our friend Glenn filling in for like over a year I'm pretty sure but I because I want to say Steve left in 2014 end of 2014 so right after passages it would have been a year or two after passages because oh, okay. right. Steve Steve played the A Day to Remember show. Ah, okay. And that was in 2014, so maybe Steve left in 2015, and then Brian didn't join the band until 2017. 2016. 2016? Yeah. Has it really been that long already? Yeah, it's been that long. Damn. <laughs> I met you. I met you uh, end of January 2016. Well, shit. Maybe it was only a year that we didn't have a guitar player then. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, hey, we talked about how time has just been flying by anyway, so this makes sense. That's that's yeah, that is very true. And and then I I tend to mentally block out a lot of things after they happen too. <laughs> Particularly from that era of my life, because it was uh I like to refer to them as the dark ages. Ah, sure. Gotcha. So uh yeah, but anyway, um yeah, so so that's that's kind of like a brief cliff notes history of the band. Yeah. <laughs> um and uh and yeah, that, 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 I guess brings us up to now. So when did you decide in a way that you wanted to do both vocals and guitar instead of choosing one or the other? Huh? 
I don't know that I ever really made a conscious decision, to be honest. Um, it started out with me recording stuff. Uh, so, so deep, 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 deep in the archives of the internet somewhere, there is probably still to this day a four-track demo of early, early Arcane Haven songs. Oh, okay. That that only I did vocals on. So I did the singing and the screaming. Wow. Okay. Uh, so it was a song called forever was the word, which we re-recorded on alignment. Mm-hmm. Same thing with our escape. Okay. And then there was uh, two other tracks called this is war and treasures of the world. Okay. Uh, so those four songs I had recorded as an effort to attract the attention of other musicians to form the band with me. Ah, I see. Okay. Which is how I met Connor. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I recorded those songs, I was doing the singing and the screaming, but I didn't feel that I was a very good screamer. So when we went into the process of actually forming the band, I was like, well, I'll just, keep singing because I, I like singing the parts mm-hmm. and I can and why don't we just get a screamer so we did ah. so I guess I kind of just fell into doing vocals and then I was like well if I'm going to be doing vocals I'm going to have to like practice so that I can be as good as I can be so then I just obsessed over pushing myself to like new levels when it came to that and like you can certainly hear the evolution between alignment and passages and then passages to the full length. For sure. No, absolutely. And I was gonna comment that, yeah, it's there's there's a lot of improvement. It wasn't like you needed a ton of it, but there was a lot of improvement in your power and the notes that you could reach. It all worked very, very well. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I don't know that there was ever a conscious decision really though. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as it was that I just didn't feel like having to find somebody else that could sing. Ah, you know okay. what I mean? It yep. was it was like at that point in time in the music scene, it was easier to find somebody that could scream. Gotcha. Like I feel like back then there were not a lot of guys like singing. Understandable. Okay, that makes sense. And by the way, I think you guys know Rick, right? Uh, Rick Emery. Rick Emery. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. So I'll just get him to find wherever that four track demo is. <laughs> Uh, knowing him, he might even have it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I'm sure I'll hear that at some point, but I just want to make a note of that. So I really appreciate hearing all the background of the band and, you know, everything basically up to now. So we talked about the entire album. The new self-titled is coming out on August 3rd. One of the things, though, I do like to do as well is kind of ask you guys about things that aren't music related as well. And you guys mentioned, you know, the personality of the band and how you guys work together and how, you know, you fit Brian in. What do you guys do outside of music that, you know, you actually really enjoy doing? Well, (laughs) uh, I, and this is Brad talking, I'm sure you could probably tell the difference in the voices by now. Now I can. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, so I love anime. Ah, very nice. Um, I watch a lot of anime. I actually just finished, naruto shippuden i don't know if you watch anime at all i do watch anime i don't watch naruto though okay uh well naruto is a really solid so if you can uh if you can sift through the uh the filler arcs right right uh, it's a good time well how long Uh, was that how long was that arc that you just did 
Uh, the second series is 500 episodes long. Holy shit. And roughly 40% of it is filler. Oh, so gosh. you right. can skip a good portion of it because there's a there there are entire like 10 episode spans that are just recycled footage from the first series. Right. Um, so like yeah, like if you skip through all that shit though, it's a lot easier to digest. Okay. Um, but outside of anime, like I play a lot of video games. Um me and Arnold are both really big fans of like old school Nintendo, mm -hmm. uh, like the Mega Man series, particular Mega Man one through six. Um, and then the Mega Man X games as well. And awesome. uh, actually in some of our earlier stuff, more so than newer stuff, you can probably pick out a little bit of like the Mega Man influence yeah. because we used to incorporate a lot more of that, of that video game music into our sound. For sure. I would like to maybe return to that on the next release now that I'm thinking about it. So maybe maybe you'll have that to look forward to. Yeah, maybe some uh, Nintendo Core coming up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, no. I would say like like video games. I, I like anime a lot. Um, I recently had the idea to write a book. Okay. So I might spend some time working on that. I wanted to write like a fiction book. Mm -hmm. um, who knows if I'll ever finish it. Sure. I don't even know if I'll ever finish it, but it's nice to think about. And I've been kind of storyboarding in my head for the last couple of weeks. Very cool. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's probably all I can really say. Like, I mean, I, I, I work in like the technology field, so I like putzing around with computers and stuff like that too. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's pretty much the gist of it. I'd say. Nice. Well, what about you, Brian? Uh, I am a very big Pittsburgh Penguins fan. Okay. So always looking forward to hockey season, watch as many games as I can sure. uh, for that. Steelers fan and Ohio State football fan too, but definitely predominantly the Penguins. So always looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I really enjoy like going to new restaurants, trying new foods, trying new beers and things of that nature. Um, really beyond that, uh, like some video gaming too. Really beyond that, I've tried to make a lot of time for friends. Not that I have a huge group, but just I find, you know, with a group of people I tend to hang out with, I can do just about anything with them. Sure. And fun. Mm -hmm. uh, I forgot to mention how much I love Cheez Its and ramen. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if that's a topic of conversation we want to get into too deep. I'll never turn down talking about Cheez Its. All right. It's a right. bit obsessive. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then just things like uh, reading. I actually, I was a very avid reader for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then when we started working on this record because of having uh, having work and things like that, I would typically save reading for like the evenings, like before I would go to bed and things like that and just fell out of it because I'd be up until like 3 a.m. writing and tracking and doing stuff like that uh -huh. sometimes. But uh I I started reading again. I got that book, uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Oh, and, sure. Yeah, yeah. And really enjoying that. Nice. And really hoping to get more back into reading in general. But yeah, I mean, I don't have too many uh, hardcore hobbies outside of music. I just really try to um, spend a lot of time with family and friends, really as much of it as I can outside of work and uh, music. Nice. Well, let me combine a little bit of what you guys were both talking about between, you know, 
enjoying anime, which is obviously very story driven. Brad is also going to be possibly writing a book. And then Brian, with you actually, you know, getting back into reading a little bit, would you guys ever do a concept album? So, uh, funnily enough, if you look really, really, really hard Mm -hmm. at the cover art for Passages, there is a typewriter on the table on that album cover. Yeah, yeah. And if you look really close to the paper that's on the typewriter, it says Chapter 1 at the top of it. Ah, okay. So, what the initial idea was, was... Okay, so actually, this is something I want to dive into. Yeah. Um, this is something I do want to dive into because this 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 was the driving force of the entire record and we didn't even fucking talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> this was the driving force of the entire record. So uh, the, the self-titled album was initially going to begin a story that we wanted to tell over the span of several albums. Wow. Um, so I don't know. Do you listen to dream theater at all? Yeah, I have for sure. I haven't in a while, but I have for sure. Are you familiar with the 12 step suite? Yes. Okay. So like about. last prison, take this life or not take this life. Uh, I don't remember the name of the second song, but anyway, you know what I'm talking yes, about. So, right, right. so that store or like that was, um, a big influence on the idea because what I wanted to do was I wanted to put like chapter one on our first full length mm-hmm. and then chapter two on the second full length. Wow. Etc. That is and ambitious. Wanted, and, and the initial idea that I had was actually inspired by the kingdom hearts series. Oh, I love that series. Okay. All right. So I kind of wanted to, to take the story of like someone losing somebody close to them mm-hmm. and then going on you know, not necessarily a quest, but like searching for that again. Right. Mm-hmm. So kind of how like Sora is, is, you know, is searching throughout the entire series. Right. Um, and that was kind of the influence for that. So Stalfos, the acoustic track off of the full length, mm-hmm. that was originally titled chapter two. And then whatever the subtitle was going to be. Okay. Because that song was initially supposed to be part two in that saga. We ended up scrapping the entire idea because it didn't really come together as naturally as we wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, we may revisit it at some point, uh, but it what we were initially going to incorporate that kind of stuff. Now that brings me to the full length. Mm-hmm. So if you listen through the full length a few times, and maybe you have already subconsciously, you might you might start to pick out recurring melodies. Yes, I definitely did uh, that. Yeah. So every single song on the album, with the exception of Miscommunication and Tightrope mm-hmm. and Disgrace. Possible. Uh, there's there's three or four that like don't. Oh, when we fall. Oh. Yeah. When we fall. So when we fall, Tightrope, Miscommunication and Disgrace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that those are the only four songs on the album that don't reference one of the other songs. Ah, that actually makes a lot of sense. Okay. All right. So, so there are like the, the strings part at the very end of hollow bodies. You can find the same exact melody that those strings are playing in like what four other songs on the record. Yeah. It's in Stalfos. It's yeah. in, uh, 
Let's see. It it might Scarecrow? it's loosely in anchors away, I think. Oh okay. the, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forward. Yeah. At the beginning of the song when the piano comes in right before like the heavy part kicks in, there's a reference to it. Uh in the bridge in Anchors Away that has the lead guitar part over it with like the, the rung out notes on the guitar. Uh, that lead is the same lead as the clean, like ambient one from Hollow Bodies. Oh. That's right after the first chorus. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pre-chorus in Like a Lifetime with the lead guitar part. Yep. Uh, that is also at the very end of Phoenix Down. Uh, and Danny also screams at the end of Like a Lifetime. Like I don't. I don't want to state what the lyrics are for people who haven't heard the song yet right well i'll just i'll I'll just do it because then when they hear it it'll make sense but he screams at the end of that song um oh shit what are the lyrics so now? tall I've so so there, there. so so tall i've built these walls for a false security i've learned that until they're burned like a cell they'll imprison me that is from the second verse in phoenix down ah okay so like the entire album and I and I, I could keep going because like 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 Phantom references Scarecrow and then at the very very end of like a lifetime there's like a a very soft guitar part that loosely references Scarecrow and like like a lifetime also ends with like the rain which is how the album begins. Right. Yes. So, like, we wanted the album to be something that, like, you could listen to on loop and have it kind of just loop over itself. Right. And that rainstorm, uh, actually, at my old house, there was a tornado warning because there was a really bad thunderstorm. Mm -hmm. And uh, instead of hiding in the basement like a bunch of uh, sissies, (laughs) me and Mike set up a microphone and sat out on my front porch and recorded the rainstorm. Ah, very cool. That is the rainstorm you hear at the beginning of the album and the end of the album. That is cool. Um, so anyway, though, the entire record is... Oh, and then Stalfos, the lead guitar part in Stalfos is the same thing that's in Hollow Bodies, mm-hmm. which is the same thing that's in Anchors Away. It's in... Uh, oh, shit. It threw the verses in Phoenix Down. Cause that like that like you to the edge like delay riff. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, that that is the same exact thing that is over the chorus in like a lifetime. Damn. So like like the whole album is tied together thematically through these musical motifs. Like we we wanted to do it though in a way where like the first run through the CD people might like hear like a familiar melody, but it doesn't click. You know what I mean? Sure. Like we wanted it to be a subconscious thing so that as people listen to the record more, they pick up on that. And then it ties the whole thing together. And we did it like sort of strategically too, because like we also realized how much of a mixed bag the music on the album was. Mm -hmm. So we also needed something that would help to tie it together and kind of glue everything as one cohesive like record. Right. Well, that gives me something even more. To listen to because yeah you're absolutely right subconsciously listening through a few times i definitely heard different melodies in different instances but with all that you just said that's just something extra that i now get to listen for yeah so 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 you can yeah try and pick out like all the all the references very cool no i like that a lot 
that was sort of like in a way it was almost a nod to uh, dream theater because mm-hmm. uh, I always loved the, the album artwork that they did for one of their albums, Octavarium uh, because Octavarium, like the artwork revolved around like the numbers, like I think five and eight. And like, if you look at the artwork, it's just so cool the way that they do it because they take these numbers and then they just base the artwork off of those numbers. Right. So like, there'll be like a maze that that's on an octagon and there's like a spider in the center of it with eight legs. And then like each of the paths to get there has like five dead ends. Like it's just, it was something that when I found that album as a teenager, I thought that it was very thought provoking and that was something that I enjoyed about it. And you could say the same thing about like the 12 step suite, like picking out different parts of each of those songs that reference other songs in the suite. Right. And that's just something that I always wanted to do. Because, like, like I said, like I, I like thought-provoking stuff, right? You know, so um, that was kind of that was kind of part of that, and it was also a compromise because we kind of scrapped the idea of having. Uh, originally, it was supposed to just be those chapter songs that we were going to spread out on different albums. Mm-hmm. Like orig- originally, it was just supposed to be those songs that would have musical motifs that referenced one another, and then it just turned into the whole album but without making it a concept record. I see. Wow. Now, I think that gives people everywhere listening as well another reason to check out the self-title because, yeah, that is a very cool... It's just a nice concept, and not concept as in, like, a story necessarily, but to tie everything together like that is just pretty innovative. Yeah, and I think that stems from, too, like, uh, a lot of us in the band still, I would say, enjoy listening to albums front mm-hmm. to back. And that's, yeah. that's kind of a lost art with a lot of bands these days. Like, you'll get albums that still flow really well as far as the track order yeah. and everything, but it's definitely a lost art to a degree, even sometimes when bands do concept records. And and I, and I we wanted the record, <laughs> like, the everything was really thought out in terms of that of just something that would flow really well like something that was an enjoyable listen because ultimately i think the best albums aren't even necessarily the best collection of songs that a band has but the songs that fit best together if you're looking at it from an album perspective yeah wow no that's that's definitely very interesting i think people are gonna love looking for that stuff for sure all right guys well hearing all that just makes me want to listen to the album even more, and hopefully everyone out there will want to do the same. So let's wrap things up for tonight, and let's go ahead and you know make sure everyone knows there are going to be links in the description of the episode so that everyone can follow you guys on Twitter, Facebook, you know everything that's out there, and then also make sure to pick up the brand new self-titled Arcane Haven, and it's going to be out on August 3rd, and then the CD release party or the CD release show is going to be on August 11th. So guys, obviously, links in the description of the episode, but is there any way that is the best way for people to support you right now? Uh, We have merch and physical copies of our album available through our Big Cartel. Mm -hmm. So it's arcanehaven.bigcartel.com. That's probably the most direct way. Okay. Uh, outside of that, like sharing, you know, our music video through Facebook, sharing it on Twitter, sharing it, you know, wherever is, is always super helpful too. um, just to, you know, help us spread the word about the band and everything like that. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would just I would just say, you know, anyone who hears our stuff and and enjoys it or knows people who would enjoy it, like is sharing that stuff means the world to us. And like we really can't believe the impact it's had in some ways. Like just yesterday I woke up to a message from um a fellow musician in Israel who huh. wanted to who wanted a physical copy and like a t-shirt for our album but we like like we only shipped to the u.s so we're trying to figure out to get it get it to him but i woke up and that was just like that's such a cool thing to wake up to sometimes you know because we all have real jobs and things like that we get lost in you know what our music actually means to people but the fact that someone you know all the way in israel where i'm sure we're not right in front of his face like took the time one day and checked us out and loves our stuff enough that he wants to support us, even though it's more difficult for him than someone in the US, like that's just absolutely incredible. So whatever people can do to help spread the word in the smallest or biggest way possible, we're really grateful either way. Absolutely, no, that's great. And once again, I love this album. I thought it was so damn good. So I hope everyone out there listening, make sure to go pick it up, You know, share it around to everyone. You know I will be doing that for sure. But yeah, guys, not only do I love the album, but I really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you very much. It was fun. Absolutely.
right, everyone, I am back. The track you just heard was Hollow Bodies, once again, off the new self-titled, coming out this Friday, August 3rd. Make sure you pick it up and check out the links in the description of the episode to support the guys in Arcane Haven. A big thank you goes to Brad and Brian for coming on the show. Great guys. Also, if you liked what you heard, you can follow the other links in the description of the episode to support me, Ian Hates. We're going to end with the track, Miscommunication, featuring JT of Era. For even more great music, make sure to pick up the album, Arcane Haven. Thank you once again to Arcane Haven, and I will leave you the way I always do, long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone.